Utah skiers and riders, and welcome again to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. A big thanks again to Utah's own Pixie and the Partygrass Boys for livening things up on this week's episode. And a special thanks to High West, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West is passionate about crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey, all in the context of our home here in the American West. When you're in town, visit one of High West's locations in Park City and nearby Wanship. And a big welcome to a new partner, Identity Properties in Park City, joining us on Last Chair with this episode. For more than four decades, Identity Properties has been matching skiers to vacation rentals in Park City. If you're listening to this podcast, it's a pretty good bet that you're passionate about spending time outdoors and you have a great respect for our planet. Growing up as a snowboarder, Jeremy Jones was just like you, but he could see changes to the snowscape and he wanted to do something about it. A legendary big mountain free rider, Jeremy Jones is now an athlete, an entrepreneur, and an environmentalist. And he thinks big, very big. In 2007, Jeremy Jones started Protect Our Winners, allying the collective voice of skiers and snowboarders to, well, protect winner. Today, Pow is leading a charge towards systemic change. How can we help as skiers and snowboarders? Listen in on Last Chair as Jeremy Jones tells his story, where his life has taken him, and where he sees our planet heading. But most of all, what each of us can do to help. Listen in, it's a poignant look at why we need systemic change and how the leadership Jeremy Jones is providing is truly making a difference. And welcome to Last Chair, Jeremy Jones. Jeremy coming to us from his home in Truckee, California. And Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us here on Last Chair. Ah, super excited. Love Last Chair. <laughs> so I know that all of us, it's October now. The season is just around the corner. We're starting to look at the snow forecast. Have you seen a little bit of snow on your ridgelines? We have not had snow yet. We were close to getting snow a couple of weeks ago, but really promising forecast. Temperatures are supposed to plummet and we're fingers crossed the next couple of days we see some white up in the hills. This is that time of year where skiers and riders are just hopeful. They're watching open snow every day to just hope that the snow is going to start coming down. Jeremy, we're going to talk a lot about Protect Our Winners, which you founded in 2007 and climate in general. But before we do, as a young boy growing up, how did you first find your interest in snow and winter and, and snowboarding in particular? I mean, my parents fell in love with the mountains later in life, and they basically started dragging my brothers and I. We grew up on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, up to Vermont, where my grandfather had a house. And yeah, it was kind of like we'd get to the mountain. My parents would say, let's meet at lunch. And that was that. And we had total freedom. And I think it was looking back now, because I was really into hockey. I was into all these different sports. And pretty quickly, all that stuff went away when snowboarding got allowed at the resorts. And I think that it's probably just the creativity of it and that connection with nature. And then it's always changing, you know, just overtook my life and still has to this day. Did you start out on a board or did you try skiing to start? No, I started out skiing. I first got on skis when I was four and skied 
until I was 12 when that's when snowboarding was allowed at the resort. First time I got on a snowboard was Burton Backhill, which no bindings. And I'd go ski in the day and then we'd go and hike in the afternoon and evening on the snowboard. And after a couple of years of that, I just got more and more hooked on it because I was really into skateboarding as a kid and really into surfing. So the idea of being able to like surf the mountain was just like the thought of it. I mean, it was like a dream. And then when it came to reality, I still remember the first time I got off on this chairlift that I had been riding for almost 10 years and going down this run that I've been on, you know, at that point, probably hundreds of times. And it just like got three dimensional for whatever reason. I just enjoy that sideways stance and that sideways view of life. What resort was it in the East? That was Stowe, Vermont. It seems interesting that you came from Cape Cod, and I imagine you skated a lot down there. Yeah, Cape Cod was a great place to skateboard, and that was at this kind of resurgence of skateboarding with that like Tony Hawk era. Yeah, it's interesting to think back. You know, now we're just so used to being able to go and ride anywhere, but there really was a time in the not all that distant past where snowboarders had to really struggle to find a place to go. Yeah, I mean, it is wild to like tell my kids about that. And I'm so grateful to be a part of that era. I mean, when it opened up, I mean, I was actually the first, you used to have to get certified to be able to ride the mountain. They would determine that you were safe enough to ride the lift. So I was actually the first person ever certified at Stowe, Vermont. Amazing. How old were you then? I was 12. Wow. Now, somewhere along the line, you got into competition and competition was quite a bit different back then. It was a little bit more racing oriented than we see today. But was that just an organic part of the bug for you as you evolved as a young snowboarder? Yeah. So I first contest I did was a half pipe. And at that time, I mean, the sport was so small. I mean, I like to say it was like you'd show up to the mountain, you could show up by yourself. And by the end of the day, the few snowboarders that were on the mountain would end up riding together. And the contest really brought everyone together. So I first contest I did was a half pipe contest. I got third place. I was excited. And then I went and did a race and ended up winning the race. And kept winning these races and was like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. I was always like decent in half pipe, but I consistently would win at a racing level. And by 16, I decided to compete at a professional level and was just, I had enough success where I could make a little bit of money and kind of keep on the pro tour and back then there was no team managers there was really no infrastructure and so we would i mean it was living in cars sleeping in parking lots and and that was just the community i was not alone with that and i mean for years it was every weekend traveling and never hotels it was always sleeping on buddy's floors or sleeping in parking lots did you have any heroes back then? I know the sport was really in its infancy, but were you starting to see heroes that you aspired to be like? I mean, Craig Kelly, he was the guy for sure. He could win a race. He could win a half pipe contest Had killer style and vibe. Terry Kidwell, who I now have got to be friends with. Same with Jim Zellers, Tom Burt, Bonnie Zellers. And it's wild that these sports, they're pretty small deal where... It did not take long before I was standing in lift line next to my heroes at Squaw Valley, or now Palisades Tahoe. 
It really is something. And I think this is one of the things that I've always loved about skiing and snowboarding is that we are all a family. And these guys were your heroes. But you as a young man, you could stand next to them. You could have a conversation. You could ride a lift and be a part of their world. Yeah. And it still holds true today. I mean, whether it's Tommy Moe at Jackson Hole. You go to Jackson Hole and you're there. Odds are, you, if you really want to see him, you'll see him. Johnny Mosley, he's standing in lift line every day. He's at the dropping his kids off at team next to everyone else. So it's a very accessible sport. And it takes a lot of work to get to the mountain. And so we share this same passion. And at the end of the day, like who's better at going down the mountain is irrelevant. And it's kind of a cheesy statement, but I used to always say the best skier or snowboarder or surfer or whatever is the one having the most fun. And I used to think that was a corny statement. But when you think about it, that's the whole purpose of these sports is to go and have fun. And so now I'll have my kid shoulder tap me and be like, that's the best guy on the mountain. You know, someone that is just having so much damn fun. And that's the beauty is it is this real community vibe, whether you're sharing a skin track or a boot pack in the backcountry with strangers or sharing a lift ride, which I love the last chair. I mean, think we all like how many cool conversations have we had on chairlifts with strangers? That's great. I just love your philosophy. And to me, it is about fun. We all have to have fun in it. Jeremy, as you were growing up and you were discovering this passion for snowboarding, how did it evolve that you picked up a passion for the outdoors and for the environment? Yeah, I mean, my life like became centrally focused by 14, where I was like, what can I do to be a better snowboarder? And that was a 12-month-a-year thing. And then as I got into more backcountry riding, you really have to be super in tune with the mountains from an avalanche perspective and snow textures. And so, you know, you can't be riding a serious line and have the snow change on you and fall. So it's with that being so in tune and connected to the mountains and weather that I started seeing changes to the mountains. It coincided with what scientists were telling us. And that's what it inevitably led to me starting Protect Our Winters. Was that occurring when you were in your teens or earlier? I mean, as a teen, I would say, I mean, I remember like we always had a newspaper at the table in the morning. And so I do remember at a really young age, I'm not sure, but it was on Cape Cod where I saw global warming in the paper. And I was like, I don't like the sounds of that and ended up at, you know, I struggled in school, but ended up asking my teacher when we on Cape Cod, we always studied the pilgrims and stuff and about these harsh winters. And at that point I was snowboarding the golf courses on Cape Cod. And I'm like, why doesn't it snow anymore like that? Cause we would love that. I ride every drop of snow on Cape Cod and, and it's tough to find snow. And it always piqued my interest cause I never liked the sounds of global warming. You know, a lot of us, and I know a lot of your peers, had also developed that passion for the environment. But in 2007, you decided to do something about it in forming Protect Our Winners. What was the genesis to coming up with that organization back in 2007? I was, again, seeing changes that coincide with science. And at that point, I was with Rosignol, Utah-based company. And my name was on a bunch of products, and I wanted to take portion of sales and put it towards climate change. 
and talking to a friend at the Surfrider Foundation. I'm like, where do I send my check? And he came back to me a week later and was like, there's really nothing in your space. Like you guys need to do something about this. You should start an organization. That was in like 2004, 2005. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. But he was right. And the idea couldn't, it just wouldn't go away. And and finally I started it. It took two years to like get our 5013C and website and all this stuff. And, and really I just started it with low expectations. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to throw this out to the world. And either I knew the magazines, know the film companies, my brothers founded Teton Gravity Research. So I understood media and I'm like, I think I could put these pieces together, but it's only going to work if people rally around it. And that's exactly what happened pretty quickly found website developers and just really linked it together and been doing so ever since. One of the things that I recall from the early years of POW is that you had athletes from all facets of snow sports coming to you to be ambassadors. I mean, you really picked up some big names who were motivated just as you were about this cause. Yeah. So you, you know, to get to like elite level, Olympic level, what have you, you're spending a ton of time in the mountains. And so naturally they're seeing what I'm seeing, their life surrounded. So that was easy to do. And what I really made a concerted effort was I did not want it to be a Jeremy Jones foundation. So early on Transworld gave us ads, Powder gave us ads, and I made a point to make sure that they were of other people and not me in those ads to make sure that it wasn't this Jeremy Jones foundation. And same with companies. Rosingal was a big supporter, but I really focused on getting, uh, I remember Burton, like Donna Carpenter, who's now on the board and has been a Protect Our Winners. She took my meeting early on and getting Burton involved and just saying, look, this isn't about competition. Like we need to rally together. And they've been a huge ally ever since. What were some of the early projects that you embarked on back in those days? I know that you're a fledgling organization. You didn't have quite the resources you do today, but what were some of the initial projects that POW embarked on? So my career is based around being in these different movies. So early on we had, which we still do to this day, we would do these like 30 to 60 second kind of commercials and put them in front of snowboard films and ski films and TGR would help. Absent films helped with some of them. And so that was some of the immediate kind of marketing stuff. And it was just general brand, like, hey, climate's changing. And I want to say we, you know, we talk about water bottles and light bulbs and personal footprint, which is important. But pretty quickly, as I I had to learn from the get-go, like just cold calling experts in the space, Auden Schendler being one of them, who still, he's the chairman of the board today, but I'd read an article about him and be like, I got to call this guy and like, hey, do you want to be part of it? And yes. And so started getting these scientists involved. And then I think it was by 2008, I want to say, these experts are like, look, the light bulbs are important. The water bottles are important, but we need to get significant CO2 reduction it needs to happen through policy. And at that time, the Waxham, Marquee Waxham bill was 
I think it passed the House and was going to Senate. But that was our last chance as a government. You know, we have not been that close since then to pass meaningful climate action. And it was that bill that first got us to Washington and meeting with our elected officials. We're going to talk a little bit more later in detail about some of the direction that Powell has taken and actions that we all can take as outdoor enthusiasts. But let's talk a little bit about climate. And I think most of us who use the outdoors, we have our stories of things we've seen. You know, in my case, it's the glaciers in Sasfe that's the one that's not there anymore. It's the receding glacier in Solden. We also see it in our climate here in Utah. What are the things that we as skiers and snowboarders, what are the indicators that we're seeing that are really cause for some concern? Really, I think you can talk to anyone at any resort or any community, sadly, sees it. And it's not just the mountains, but it's the warming of the oceans. I mean, it's like, where don't we see it? It's front page news all summer long from the crazy storms and the flooding to the smoke, which seems to be this new norm, which I really hope isn't from, you know, what the pine bark beetle is doing to our forest. I mean, pick a spot, the lake temperatures, the algae in the lake, you know, the glaciers are a great example because, you know, we have really good data on glaciers from taking these glacier ice cores. So they, uh, same with some of the trees too, where we can learn temperature changes and stuff through these ice cores. And it's just that data is showing this huge spike. And then We can literally see the receding of the glaciers, which glaciers always grow and shrink, but the rate that they are right now is just really significant. Have you spent a lot of time trying to learn the science? You fortunately, I think at Powell, you've had the opportunity to get close to some climate scientists. Have you put your passion into trying to learn more of that science yourself? I mean, I find it interesting and and have been around scientists a lot and listen to them speak it's funny these scientists are like it comes from them where they're like why the hell do we keep talking about this science it is settled science sadly the words i've never heard out of a scientist's mouth are the issue's not as bad as we thought it was so yes i am very close to them and i love like this last fall i got to hiked to a glacier with a glacier scientist in Sierra. And, you know, he studies glaciers and learn a bunch about that and and the intricacies of it. Like, for example, on that hike, I learned obviously warming temps is a big deal, but then there's this big deal with the drying of the soil, which is leading to more dust storms and the dust falling on the glacier and the albedo effect from that. So yes, always learning about the science. I think a lot of us are learning now just in our day-to-day news coverage as we see more different types of impacts. The fires this past summer and into the fall certainly are a good example of that. Yeah, and I mean, that has been the most devastating in-your-face stuff that we're seeing. I mean, I've lived in Lake Tahoe for almost 30, yeah, almost 30 years now, and there was no such thing as fire season or smoke season. And I think it was eight years ago, the first time that I remember getting ready to go mountain biking, which I do daily and being like, wow, I can't go ride my bike right now because it's too smoky. Fast forward eight or 10 years later, I am a smoke expert, man. I know more about like, I have apps that I'm like timing clear air holes like we got to go drive to this spot at two o'clock trust me the smoke's going to clear and we can get in a ride i mean it's 
I know way too much about smoke, and it's just an example of these seemingly new norms. Yeah, it is crazy. Unfortunately, uh, there are some really good apps for that. We're uh, with Jeremy Jones, Big Mountain Rider, founder of Protect Our Winners. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Jeremy's film, Purple Mountains, which came out last fall, a phenomenal film, and talk, too, about action steps, things that we can do as outdoor enthusiasts. We'll be right back on Last Chair. One of the great aspects of skiing and riding in Park City is the vast array of vacation rental opportunities from intimate slopeside inns to comfy rentals just a few steps from historic Main Street. For over 40 years, Identity Properties has been matching skiers to their home away from home. Everything from studios to four-bedroom rentals and more. Identity Properties offers a truly distinctive collection of Park City vacation rentals, many with heated pools and hot tubs. And don't forget to ask about the winter season courtesy shuttle at select locations. You have a lot of choices today, but as a Park City local myself... I know the value that long-term knowledge brings. That's Identity Properties. Check them out at PCLodge.com or call 1-800-245-6417 for rates and availability. That's PCLodge.com. Identity Properties, your home away from home in Park City. Now let's get back to Jeremy Jones on Last Chair. And we are back now with Jeremy Jones talking about climate and protect our winners. And Jeremy had the opportunity to see your film, Purple Mountains. It was stunning. I mean, I fancy myself as having some basic knowledge about the topic, but this film just really opened up my eyes as to the importance of the topic, how all of us need to work together and just educating on the next steps that we need to take. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of Purple Mountains, which came out last fall. So Purple Mountains is a film I set out to understand why we're so divided on climate and specifically focusing on what we call the outdoor state of protect our winners. These 50 million people that their life is focused around the outdoors through various means. It could be hunting, skiing, biking, what have you. And finding these different skiers, snowboarders, hunters, that are really connected to the outdoors, their livelihood or their life is set up around the outdoors and getting to know them, spending time out there with them and understanding how, you know, even though it's such a central part of their life, they, you know, they consistently vote for climate deniers and understanding why that is. And that's really the premise of the film. Operationally, what you did is you found some individuals in Elko, Nevada, right at the uh, foot of the Ruby Mountains, a phenomenal mountain range to ski and ride, and had these amazing conversations with them. You know, I'm just curious, how did you find those subjects for the film? So I just spent time in those mountains and I'm like, we just got to go and get there. And then I remember like just going to this trailhead and we're getting ready for an overnight trip but i'm like literally like looking at people's cars like what stickers they have on their car or if they have skis or snowboards and one of the central characters this guy danny who's a hard rock miner he shows up i'm with my buddies in our california subies we're packing our overnight kit and i'm like ah oh, here we go this is this guy with a big truck and a snowmobile and i'm like well we'll see how this 
goes. I can get along with anyone, especially if they like the outdoors. But anyways, he pulls up and he's got a friends of coal sticker on his truck. And I'm like, I wonder if this will get heated at all. Then the next thing I know, he pulls out a Jones split board and I'm like, holy shit. And so this guy ended up being, who is a friend of mine today, a central part of the film. And that day we were getting ready to go up this drainage. It's like, I never hiked up that drainage. I'm like, you should come with us. And so just really had this awesome talk with him and then ended up coming back and spending some time with him specifically for the film. What was his first reaction when you, Jeremy Jones, went up to him and introduced yourself and said, hey, can I talk to you? He was psyched, man. You know, I found out really quickly. This guy is a legit snowboarder. His main passion in life is snowboarding. So he was tapped in. And again, like that's how the media and the way that we communicate online makes it look like our worlds are so divided. And the reality that you see in Purple Mountains is when you get together in person, people are much more cordial with each other. And then if you just go into a conversation with the like, let's try to build bridges on things that we do agree with and understand that, yeah, we're not going to agree on everything, but we do agree on some things and we're human beings and we can operate with, you know, basic decency amongst each other, which is something that you rarely see on these online forums. It's just like cage match fighting. Yeah. How steep was that cool that you guys skied or rode? You know, it was definitely well in the 40s. I don't know, you know, in the in the Wasatch, they'd call it 40 degrees. In California, we'd call it 50 degrees. <laughs> That's a joke. But <laughs> That's a good little tip. I just really enjoyed that segment. I mean, you guys clearly became really good friends, and it just kind of broke down all of those barriers that we think we have in this topic. Yeah, and the reality is, like, hiking is a great way to get to know someone. Also on the chairlift. I mean, I think the chairlift is, like, the perfect length conversation. People are in good moods. They're outside. They're engaged. So I love talking to strangers in the mountains and really just trying to learn from them and what their story is. Well, I urge everyone to go out and get the film. I watched it on Amazon Prime. You can get it on YouTube and a whole variety of other places. It's called Purple Mountains, and it's a one-hour view and very educational. Let's talk about what folks can do. And I know that across Utah and across the country, our resorts are all engaged in some type of activities. And I want to start there. I know we're going to move our way up, but just at the grassroots level, the things that the resorts are doing, the things that all of us are doing as outdoor enthusiasts, are those helpful? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, protect our winners. We only have so much energy, so we have to focus on the big levers. And that quickly gets to like large scale CO2 reduction needs to happen through policy. But that is not to say, I mean, from an outdoor industry, for example, like the companies that take sustainability really serious have been doing really well. And that's because of the customers are saying, I support that company. So now when you walk down the halls of the outdoor industry trade show, it's like everyone is taking their product serious because it's good business to do that. And it's good business because the customer has said, we're going to reward you for making cleaner product. So that's just a small example of that. I mean, what you eat, cars you drive, like where you bank. We have a big banking 
push going on at Protect Our Winners to, you know, understand what your money does when it's sitting in that bank account. What's it funding? So there absolutely is, you can embrace all facets of your life. I personally live a very examined life and it's important, but we're not going to recycle our way out of this climate mess is the reality. And that's why we focus our attentions at Protect Our Winners on policy. You also own a snowboard company, Jones Snowboards. Have you been able to implement meaningful change there to address some of these concerns? I mean, the company is now, I think, 12 years old. And so I was able to start it and say, look, it's either going to work or it's not. And it's going to work with like, we always want to make the boards more sustainable, durable, higher performing, and we're going to take percentage, you know, we're part of 1% for the planet, which means 1% of every sale we put towards the environment. We have a Jones Rainforest in Costa Rica, and we support Protect Our Winners. So when you talk about systemic change and getting political action and getting governments involved, what are the things that we can do as skiers and riders to help that endeavor? For one, like understanding who your elected officials are, what their stance is on climate. Protect Our Winners does voter guides on that. But also at the town level, I want to say... Park City was like one of the first towns to basically be run on clean energy. And shout out to Bryn Carey, who is a friend of mine that really was one of the people that led that charge. That was such a great example where, you know, a dozen or so people changed the direction of where that town gets its energy. And it's not just at the capital level, but at this regional level, you can be really effective as well. Yeah, and a shout out to Bryn Carey, the owner of Ski Butlers. He was a guest on Last Chair a year ago. You can go back onto SkiUtah.com and find that episode. And we did talk a little bit about that in his episode. I want to dive a little bit more into some of the comments you made earlier about just knowing where your money is in your bank and some of those little things that, you know, where we buy things each day. Is that an impactful way for us to contribute to this cause? Yeah. Companies go where the customers are. So, I mean, organics, you're seeing this huge growth in organics. That's because you benefit greatly if you can make your product organic. So it's the same, you know, with diet is another, you know, as far as like, that's a very simple way to understand your impact. And we are seeing healthier eating options out there. And we're seeing at a even at a fast food level. And that's, again, because consumers are embracing cleaner options. You're seeing it, I mean, just go down the cleaning supplies options now. I mean, at every facet, you know, we're seeing way more cleaner options to choose from on a daily basis. The athletes who joined with Protect Our Winners back in the early days, are you finding now that they also are evolving their knowledge base and helping to spread this word around the planet? Absolutely. I mean, the reality is with what's happening with climate, we're in an all-hands-on-deck situation. And I think about it as it's like the mountains. Every year I re-up on like we do these Abbey courses with Teton Gravity Research. And as my brother said, it's one course you never graduate from. And we're always expanding knowledge. It's the same thing with understanding what's going on with the planet, what's going on with climate, what my impact is on the planet as well. 
One of my favorite scenes from Purple Mountains was the closing scene where you and your family go out on a backcountry expedition. And it has everything from, you know, you and your wife getting the kids ready to go and then hiking up the mountain and then watching your kids just huck it off the cornices and just really having a good time. What is the feeling like when you're up there in the mountains with your family and just enjoying all that Mother Nature has to offer? It's incredible. And it's opened my eyes to how amazing and beautiful these outdoor sports are. My kids, they play soccer, lacrosse, they do these different things and they're great. And I totally support team sports, but it's given me a new appreciation to the value of getting outside because when we get on the mountain or surfing together or mountain biking, whatever it is, that relationship of like kid, father, it turns into we're just riding partners and we're helping each other out. It's like, dad, check out this air and me bringing them to this air. I got a powder stash here, or a powder stash there. And it's grown my relationship and bond to my kids so significantly that just that alone as like i'm a parent that wants to have a close relationship to my kid and i actually hate the outdoors well start liking it because that's the best way to really connect on a really powerful level with your kids jeremy 25 30 years from now when your kids are raising their families and they talk about you what do you want them to mention about you what's the memory that you hope that they hold of what contribution you've made to their lives well, I think grateful that I introduced them to these sports that they're still doing as, I mean, that's how, you know, I view, I'm so thankful for my father for dragging us up to the mountains. So I hope that, I hope I just kindness to everyone. I hope that is passed along. And then ideally understanding or can say, you know what, my dad did everything in his power to get society on the right path uses platform to do positive things to the world and ideally leave it better than I found it. Well, you certainly are doing that. And I hope that you will continue. Protect Our Winners is playing a very important role for all of us as skiers and snowboarders. So Jeremy, thank you very much. We're going to move on to our final little section. Have a little fun. It's called Fresh Tracks. Just a few questions for you to wrap things up. And you know, one of the things I'm really interested in knowing, you have ridden around the world in some bizarre places, I'm sure. But as you think back, what is the most memorable place that you've been able to put your board down into the powder? Alaska, I largely shaped my life around being in Alaska in the spring every year. I mean, that definitely has so many fond memories. And then I would just say, I'm so grateful that through previous leaders that they've conserved so much of the Western U.S. that I love the fact that whether it's in my home range, the Sierra, in Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, you name it, that I can get in my car, drive down the road with all my camping gear and walk into mountains that I've never been to before and go and see vast landscapes for the first time ever and then pick out the beautiful lines in those areas and ride down them. It is remarkable. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. We certainly know our national parks, but the fact is there's millions of additional acres of U.S. forests that just offer some amazing opportunities for riding. 
Yeah, and it's just such a great example of past leaders who were pushed by voters to say, you know what, we should protect this. And some of it, you know, the Grand Canyon was getting bolted for a dam and that thing got, you know, pulled out of the ashes. And some of it, you know, they didn't have the chainsaws ready to cut them down, but the people had enough foresight to say, this is important and we're going to protect it for future generations. And it's that line of thinking that we need today with climate. Jeremy, and I know you've spent a lot of time riding here in Utah. Do you have a favorite resort or a favorite line here in Utah that you'd like to maybe tease us with? <laughs> I mean, I love Snowbird. Just that tram, you know, what you can do off of one 10-minute tram ride is incredible. And then Superior is Again, as far as like, if you can take one mountain and say, I can only ride one mountain the rest of my life. I mean, what you can do off of Superior is proximity to the road. It is truly backcountry paradise. It really is. One last question. Jeremy, if you had to sum up your experiences in the sport, in the outdoors, in one word, what would that one word be? Bliss. Bliss. I love it. Tell me more. When I think about the mountains, it just like fills my body with joy. It's good to have a short memory about carrying heavy packs and waking up really early in the morning and putting on frozen boots. Bliss is very far from that experience, but the overall thought of like, you know, we might get some snow tomorrow night and just to see snow, I have an outdoor light that I turn on that highlights the snow. Like what that does to my whole inner soul to see just snow falling from the ground. It's powerful stuff. Jeremy Jones, it has been a pleasure to talk to you here today on the Last Chair Podcast. Thank you for what you've done and utilizing your platform as a big mountain rider to bring this message to all of us. Well, appreciate the opportunity and have a great winter. And just to be clear, my ultimate life goal is to be getting yelled at for the next 50 years that I hope to be on this planet, that the climate's not changing because we are swimming in deep pow year after year after year. (laughs) On Cape Cod too, right? On Cape Cod. So those kids can go ride those golf courses. Jeremy, thanks for joining us, and I hope we'll see you out in Utah this winter. Awesome. Appreciate it, and I hope to get there myself. Jeremy Jones, thanks, everybody, for listening today on Last Chair. While you're thinking about it today, go to protectourwinners.org to learn how you can impact systemic change. And if you think protection of our planet is a partisan issue, Just spend 60 minutes watching Purple Mountains as Jeremy shows us just how close we all really are on this issue. Thanks to Jeremy Jones for joining us on Last Chair. With the season inching ever closer, don't forget to check out the Ski Utah 5th and 6th grade passport programs, plus the Ski Utah Yeti Pass, 
all for an opportunity to ski 15 ski Utah resorts this season, all on one pass. Learn more at SkiUtah.com. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly High West whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. Thanks to all of you for joining us on Last Chair. We'll be back soon with more episodes. To close us out, as usual, let's welcome our friends Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It is a great day to ski. Thank you.